0: Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Breakaway Podcast, the finance podcast hosted by me, Sean Hathaway. This is my podcast and we call it Breakaway because we're breaking away from the haters, the group thinkers, group thought, coming up with their own ideas, trying to figure out how to make money in these crazy markets. That's really the number 1 goal here, make some money. I'm pretty happy right now. My portfolio is kicking ass. You know, I have to admit I try to surround myself with positivity. That could be positive people, positive events. Sometimes you see things that aren't going well and you want to bury your head head in the sand like an ostrich. And look, the reality is though you have to, in life and in business and, and, and particularly with things you can control, you need to confront those challenges and take them head on. You can't bury your head in the sand or you're not going to be successful. But unfortunately, with things like the stock market, you can have a conviction that a stock and and its underlying business is going to be very strong and productive and lucrative over the very long term. And when you don't see that reflected in the stock price in the short term, I actually do think you should just go ahead and bury your head in the sand like an ostrich. So... Um, however, this week, didn't need to do that. Super happy. So the stock market is up 14.4% year-to-date. If we could, can we just stop right now and call this December 31st? It would be a great year. It would be a great year. The economy is simply on fire. The Fed and the government and Biden are just spending money. I, 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 it's probably going to come back to haunt us in some fashion. I just read an article in Bloomberg that we are... Uh, or we or there's n- these financial instruments called collateralized loan obligations, which sound a lot a lot a lot like collateralized debt obligations from the mortgage crisis debt one similar thing. But more on that insanely boring topic later on. We'll wait till the economy crashes and we'll go back and dissect it. Okay, back on to uh, fun positive stuff. So this week, Just this week alone, the U.S. stock market's up just a little over 2%. All my favorites, favorites, the Facebooks, the Amazons, Microsoft, Apple, PayPal, NVIDIA, the big kind of consumer-facing, with the exception of NVIDIA, but big consumer-facing global name-brand companies all up, uh, with the exception of Amazon, which I'm surprised about, actually. They're actually down a couple percent this week. I still think Amazon has fundamentally like really good fundamentals. Sorry to use that word twice in the same sentence. Their price to sales ratio is ridiculously low compared to almost every other tech company that exists. I still think they're a strong buy. Oh, by the way, this is not uh, investment advice on this podcast. I think I have to say that. So the big, big, um, big moves this week, though, in Tesla, and I will come back to that. We'll talk about Tesla a little bit. Before we get into Tesla, though, Just wanna say prayers to families and loved ones in Florida and I think of surfside where that building collapsed looks absolutely awful. And really not much to say there except hoping for best possible outcome and hopefully we can learn from this and inspect other buildings, etc. I used to live in an apartment in a high-rise, fairly high-rise apartment building in in santiago chile for a number of years and it was a pretty old building you know probably built in the 60s i was always kind of worried like what if this thing just falls down there's earthquakes all the time in santiago it's like a normal normal occurrence it would just freak me out Uh, this building in miami didn't it wasn't an earthquake that caused it but scary thing man scary thing so prayers prayers to them Moving on, COVID. Okay, let's go on to happier topics. I promise nothing else will be depressing from here forward. COVID. COVID's over, uh, pretty much, uh, at least in my opinion. Masks are done. I am worn a mask in quite some time. Even now in California, if you can believe this, Santa Clara County, one of the most locked-down, authoritarian, totalitarian, controlling counties in the country, we are allowed to go to restaurants without a mask, which is completely insane. Uh, interestingly, the WHO, W-H-O, World Health Organization, which, of course, sometimes our government says you must listen to WHO. Sometimes they're like, you don't need to listen to WHO. So the WHO says no vaccines for kids under the age of eight, under the age of 16. They don't recommend it unless there's, like, some very specific reason they're saying not needed, which kind of makes sense because I've rarely have I ever heard of anybody under the age of 16 dying. And I've also heard, uh, i'm no expert in all this stuff but I also heard that the kids are are not um highly contagious even if they do have it and are asymptomatic but then the cdc, CDC says that children 12 and over so between 12 and 16 should get it and as a matter of fact they're absolutely recommending it and now you've got youtube banning talk of this drug called ivermectin ivermectin i'm sure i'm pro- mispronouncing it and you gotta wonder what's going on here. Like, who's who's setting the agenda? What are these underlying narratives? Why does YouTube care if like really smart people are getting together to debate topics around COVID? I mean, this is an ongoing thing, right? YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and the suppressing of information. And I get that. I get to the one side of the story where you're trying to suppress, you know, bad, really dangerous information. Okay, so th- this information is so wrong and so bad. That it's dangerous. But when you've got PhDs debating different studies about different drugs and whether they're effective or not, and apparently ivermectin is is arguably effective in in India and has has been shown to be effective, and then it's just banned. They, they, they shut them down. Something odd is going on, and I'm sure in a couple years we're going to figure it all out, and I just hope we can get this all straightened out, because we need to be allowed to have in the public squares... We need to be able to have public debates, and science should be pushing both sides of the story and questioning and analyzing, and we should be able to hear all of that and see it, and it shouldn't be suppressed. Okay, enough of that. I'm. I'll get off my soapbox. Bitcoin. Okay, Bitcoin's been flying all over the place. Sixty thousand, thirty thousand. I think it was at thirty-three or thirty-four thousand dollars today. I think the one of the more interesting stories around Bitcoin this week and last week was. That a company called MicroStrategy and its founder and CEO Michael Saylor is a Bitcoin advocate. So much so, in fact, that his okay. So MicroStrategy is a public company, and they provide uh, like data analytics software and solutions to companies. They have a market cap of about five billion and annual revenue of five hundred million. They don't make a lot of money. In fact, they had negative $118 million of income last year, I was looking, and it doesn't look like they've ever been overly profitable, which always makes me wonder, how the hell do they have a $5 billion market cap? Frothy markets, man, frothy markets. Okay, so this company, though, the, the CEO is so crypto crazy, I, I just wonder at what point the SEC is going to step in and say, this is inappropriate, I don't think they can. I think it's really share because I, I think that the CEO, has, he, what he's done, jump to the point, they invested some money, bought a, bunch of, bought a bunch of crypto, and then he wanted to buy even more Bitcoin specifically. And so they took out a loan of $500 million and used the proceeds from that debt to purchase Bitcoin. So they're going to take $500 million of Bitcoin assets on the balance sheet against a loan of $500 million that they're going to have to pay back. So if Bitcoin goes down in price, this could materially, and I do mean materially, affect the company. If Bitcoin were going to go zero, and I just said revenue was $490 million, it would effectively wipe out a year's worth of revenue. Okay, so again, maybe the SEC or regulatory agencies can't do anything, but investors are still buying the stock. It's, it's at $552, like I said, a $5 billion market cap. And uh, which is significantly higher than it was about a year ago this time. In fact, it's about 4x where it was. It was just over a billion. So I guess he's doing something right. I think it's absolutely berserk and uh, reckless and completely distracts from that company's mission. Uh, so, so many things to say there, but we'll leave it at that. Um, another fun, interesting article that I was trying to wrap my head around was and I talked about this in the last podcast, is that we talk about billionaires avoiding taxes. And I went into this a little bit on my last one, so I'll try not to go into it too much here. But it's important to understand that when they talk about these billionaires avoiding taxes, often they, in some of these publications, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Bloomberg, those are like three that I'm kind of always just have in my inbox in the mornings, They're talking about, like, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos are always mentioned. And they are, uh, yes, billionaires. And they are, these founder, CEO-led companies, actually every CEO for that matter, is generally going to be compensated 80%, let's say, in stock compensation, which is appropriate because you want their incentives tied, as a shareholder of a company, I want the leadership's incentives tied to the share price. Okay, so they generally will make targets, like, okay, if the share price goes to this, or if revenue goes to this, which in turn drives share price up, and income goes to this, which in turn drives share price up, then they get awarded big equity grants. The thing is, you may get awarded a big equity grant one year, and then the next one may vest two years later. So you could actually go a year without not getting, not getting a, an equity grant, okay? And then you're going to show no income. So sometimes they'll say, well, this person's worth $100 billion, and they had no income, or they paid no taxes. Well, they paid no taxes because they had no income. So keep in mind, when you get these RSUs, which is a restricted stock unit, so you're in a, a, a leader... A C-level executive at one of these companies, they hand you over the share and they say, "Good job, you earned this." This share, or let's say they give you a thousand shares and they're worth a thousand dollars. Well, right then and there, you've got to recognize a thousand dollars of income, and at their insanely high tax rates, they have to pay five hundred dollars or more, probably fifty-five, five hundred and fifty dollars, fifty-five percent usually in income taxes, and they do. So, but what happens then is that they end up holding the other $450 worth of stock. Maybe they pull out $10 to cover their lifestyle, or <clears throat> pay their mortgage. The point is they're still holding the stock, and the stock market, the stock value, the market value, and therefore the underlying stock of companies like Amazon and like Tesla have gone through the roof, and so these founders, yes, are worth north of hundred billion approaching two hundred billion dollars and sure they don't pay many taxes relative to that huge number but they're still paying taxes and when they ultimately turn around to sell the, that stock and or when they die uh, and they're gonna realize huge tax consequences so the point is they're actually paying taxes what I thought was really interesting this week is there is a an IRA uh, a savings mechanism which is an IRA stands for an individual retirement account. So a very common type of IRA is actually a 401k. And so when you work in in most corporations, they offer a 401k plan and you can put in $19,500, let's just call it $20,000 a year in pre-tax into this retirement account. What that means is if you make 100,000, maybe you defer $20,000 into this account, and then you're only taxed today on $80,000 and the $20,000 goes into this savings account, this retirement account, it grows you know till you're into your 60s and 70s ideally and then you pull that money out at that time when you're in a lower tax rate hopefully and then you pay tax on any money you, you withdraw. So there's there's another account called a Roth IRA and just to keep things simple it's hard to qualify for a Roth IRA. and can be kind of tricky. But if you can get money into your Roth IRA, you're generally putting in there money that's already been taxed. So then what happens is that money is allowed to grow over the years. And then when you re- withdraw it in your 60s and 70s, you don't have to pay tax. So just think of two two different two IRAs, a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA. And the difference is the traditional you pay taxes when you withdraw it, and then the Roth, you've already paid taxes on the money you put in, so you don't have to pay taxes when you withdraw it. And that's a significant advantage because that money can grow for years, and and then when you pull it out, it's it's tax-free. Uh, you pay no taxes on it. And so in the news this week was that billionaire, uh, billionaire Peter Thiel, who is famous for founding uh, PayPal and a technology company called Palantir that's now worth tens of billions of dollars. He has apparently, and I think this was in the whole data leak that came out through ProPublica, if I'm pronouncing that right. (laughs) He apparently has $5 billion in a tax-free Roth IRA. So the question is, how the hell does a billionaire figure out a way to to get $5 billion into a Roth IRA because he sure as hell doesn't need that much money and it sure as hell shouldn't be tax-free. And so it turns out that what he did, and, and the article is actually doesn't explain all this, so I actually had to think about this and and, and I actually called my tax accountant, thanks Ryan, and was bouncing it off, off of him how you do this. But what he did is the article does say that he transferred shares into this Roth IRA from PayPal before they were public and apparently each share was valued at .1, uh dollars $0.001. So that's basically a penny a share. Wait, no, that's actually .001, that's .1 would be 10 cents, Point zero one would be pe- a penny and point zero zero one would be a tenth of a penny. I mean, it's just insane. How could these shares have been worth a tenth of a penny? Because then apparently a year later after they went public or some t- short time frame thereafter, they were worth, my notes here, uh, $3.8 million or something. So so there's definitely some sketchiness into the valuation of shares granted to him before PayPal was public. By the way, we're talking like 20, 30 years ago, however many years. It was a long time ago. Okay, so there's some sketchiness there. And then second, how the hell do you get it into the Roth? Well, what would have had to happen? He would have had to already have a Roth IRA established, and then he takes the assets from that Roth and purchases, basically, does a swap or a trade, if you will, purchases um, at maybe as cash in the Roth actually, and then he purchases these shares that aren't even publicly traded. So you're getting all this done through like kind of legal documents and stuff. It's a very complex transaction, but anyway, he purchases the shares, sticks them in the Roth, PayPal now. You know, worth hundreds of billions of dollars. His Roth is worth $5 billion. Go Peter Thiel. Way to get around the tax code. Obviously an edge case, uh, but a a hell of an interesting one. Okay, on the EV landscape, I think I mentioned last podcast that Lordstown Motors, uh, the auditors had to come back and issue a going concern opinion, which is like totally weird language to say. We think the company's going bankrupt. Then it comes out last week, the CEO and the CFO abruptly resign. So when you have your CEO and CFO resign, that is pretty much never, ever a good sign. Or at least 99.99% of the time, it's a bad sign when your CFO and CFO, CEO and CFO resign on the same day. So Lordstown Motors stock it's actually still phenomenally or remarkably like doing okay. Uh, I don't know what there's what it is off the top of my head here but it's it's like still doing fine or actually I do have it here. Uh, they got a 2 billion dollar market valuation. They're down to 11 bucks. Their high was like 30 bucks. So whatever. So they've got a third of their cut down to a third of their high. It's not that bad. Markets are so forgiving this Lordstown Motors truck. It looks really cool, but you know, apparently they tried to participate in some Baja desert race. They had to pull out after 20 miles. I read some review with the guy reviewing that pickup truck versus the Ford Lightning. So the Ford Lightning kicks its butt. Um, be interesting to see how Cybertruck does. Unfortunately I do. I think a lot of people won't buy the Cybertruck for the mere reason of like how it looks, but I think people will get over that and then buy it based on its merit. Okay. So, uh, the other big news this week, and I mentioned earlier, Tesla stock is up well over 10% this week. I'm super excited for that. It, it's weird. It's kind of like a sad, happy, because, I, again, I, I've been wanting their stock to go up. I couldn't figure out why it's been bouncing around in the high 500s for so long when their, their previous high was about 900. And so I've been accumulating, as of other people. And then you accumulate, now you kind of want to accumulate more, but it's getting more expensive now. So you're kind of like sad because it's more expensive to buy it, but you're happy because the stuff you do have is worth more. So it's like bittersweet, Uh, more sweet than bitter for sure. But this, the biggest news in Tesla by far and away. So anyway, they're up in the 600, high 600s now. As of today, by the way, today's Friday, uh, June 25th, almost halfway through this fiscal year. Can you believe that calendar year? So the Model S, the Plaid Reveal was the coolest thing. I recommend, there are a couple really cool events uh, related to Tesla. One is the Plaid Reveal, you can go watch that on YouTube. So many highlights. In summary, fastest production car in the world, zero to 60 in less than two seconds. There's a million YouTube videos, well not a million, there's a lot of YouTube videos out there on it now. You can watch it. You can watch this really cool one at Laguna Seca, where it's passing like these super modified Porsches and McLaren, McLaren P1, which is a $1.35 million car, and the Porsche or the Tesla just passes it, goes around it on the corner, and passes it on the straightaway like nothing. And you can hear the McLaren going, wah, wah. and then the Porsche's just all, or the, the Tesla's all quiet, just kind of going by it. It's absolutely crazy. So um, apparently, it's got a carbon wrapped, like unbelievably cool looking engine that you can just pick up, like a human. Being can just pick up the engine. Apparently, they had to build the machine to build the engine. First carbon wrapped ever. Way more um, technical engineering specifications than I understand, but apparently, an engineering feat in itself. This car has PS uh, PlayStation level 5 uh, speed, and you can even play Cyberpunk on it. It's got three screens inside the car, it can pair with up to three different Bluetooth devices. I mean, they sound like, oh, who cares? The thing that makes that all important and and significant is that Tesla understands software and technology and, and they're going to solve self-driving and full self-driving, their AI and the neural net. And they're going to... They are literally... Literally, like, step functions above... And, and beyond the competition and where Ford or GM or Volkswagen or Toyota are going to be able to catch up. They're just not going to be able to... These legacy auto, auto, auto manufacturers are not going to be able to do it. All right, I have to go early. Um, I spent a long time writing a blog post today and yesterday and the day before on Tesla, go read that. Maybe I'll go into that more on either a video or my next uh, episode. But it was kind of like why I believe. I fundamentally believe that Tesla will be the most valuable, or at least has a has a, has a real shot at being the most valuable company in the world in uh, within the next 10 years. So we'll see if that prediction comes true. I also sold my entire AT&T position, and I bought uh, Tesla with that. Uh, that was a week or two ago. I sold at and I'm just kind of done. They're going to spin off HBO and Warner. And so now it's like, oh, do I just want to hold at and It's kind of like, well, I don't own Verizon. I don't own T-Mobile. And I don't know at and I don't know. Like, I just don't know enough about them to own them specifically. I'd rather just own a technology ETF or the U.S. stock market, which, again, is up 14% already this year. Got to love U.S. stock market, man hey okay recommendations I wish I had something you know play golf I've been trying to play golf I don't get any better I just play enough to to not get any better and not get too much worse I did start reading the second book by Andy Weir he wrote The Martian which starred that movie with Matt Damon which I thought was pretty cool where he got stranded on Mars and so I'm reading a second book right now I'm like 30% through it it's kind of a page turner in my opinion and if you're into sci-fi it is about anyway, I won't tell you what it's about but it's pretty good all right, everybody. Oh, the other thing I was going to mention on Tesla. Oh, the other video is this. A- their AI engineer. What is his name? I gotta look it up. I don't want to. I don't want to be mean to this guy, or I don't want to not give him credit. Okay, Andre Karpathy He is the senior director of AI at Tesla, and so he put out. A, there was a big AI presentation. It's like a four-hour presentation. You can go find it on YouTube. But if you find his section, he actually did a presentation on artificial intelligence and supercomputing and software and and neural networks, neural networks that they're doing at Tesla, and it just blew my mind. You go watch that and you'll be like, oh yeah, I get it. he mentioned that they have this supercomputer and showed a slide on it and said that they think it might be the fifth most powerful supercomputer in the world. Don't ask me what the top four are. I assume Google's got one, maybe IBM's got one, maybe I think he did say NVIDIA has one, but like, it, it just shows rows and rows of, of these compu- Any Anyhow, it's just absolutely amazing. He's talking about the supercomputer, the AI, everything they're doing, and then you just think about these other companies and like, listen to these arguments or statements. I think I just saw some article that said why Ford and GM stock is blowing Tesla out of the water, and I'm like, is that the dumbest headline I've ever read? These companies might still be around, and they're going to produce these cars, but they're, they're just never going to be in the league of Tesla. Not until they learn tech and, tech and software, and I just don't think they can. I just don't think they can. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. I will talk to you all later. I hope you have a great weekend. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. And you can email me at sean at hathawayfinancial.com. Thanks.